0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, and today we have a bit of news to talk about. I feel like there's something I'm missing, but I really don't know what it is. So we got three or four things. And then I've also seen um, the list of top wingers uh, that would be in for the Canadian team. So in the Canadian division, but pretty much just on the Canadian teams. List of top 10 wingers we've both made for that. So uh, we'll go through those at the end as well. Um, but let's start with a couple signings and a retiring. Uh, we'll start with the signings first. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev signs with the Tampa Bay Lightning on a bridge deal, three years, uh, cap hit of 4.8 for a total value of 4. 14.4. Um, I saw a lot of people kind of being like, oh, classic, another Tampa deal. And honestly, like, this is a great deal don't get for Tampa. Don't get me wrong. But, like, this is right in line, in my opinion, with other RFA defenseman deals for, you know, Sergachev's uh, type of player
1: yeah off the top of my head i don't know what like the twins or whatever would have had him projected at but this doesn't seem super out of line with the rfa market especially considering it's not like circuit that chev is good don't get me wrong but it's not like he's been playing top pair minutes or anything which is the big driver of or getting top power play time which is the big driver of salaries
0: the twins had them at less coming in at less. They had it for three years, it was like just slightly. It was, I think, 4.2 or something like that. But so, by their model, this was like the so slightest definition Wars. of yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But so, it's like this is literally like under what they or more than what they were projecting. So, it's it's it, again, it's not like they overpaid by this any means. Like, this is a great deal because all RFA deals are great deals. This isn't a great deal because it's in Tampa. And yeah, like, exactly. And, like, again, I like Sergeyev. I think he's a top-two defenseman. Like, I don't think he's a bona fide number one or anything like that. But I I definitely think it's fair to say he's probably in the range of, what, 32 to 60-something? Like, he's got to be in there, I think, in my opinion. But, like, Charlie McAvoy, not, like, just a year ago or two years ago, took a three- or four-year deal at $4.9 million dollars. And Or, yeah, so just last year, took three years at 4.9, so slightly more. And I think Charlie McAvoy is a much better player than Sergeyev right now. Like, McAvoy, to me, is a top-ten defenseman. Like,
1: Yeah, low-key, I think Boston has done a better job getting value on their contracts, even though Tampa Bay gets all the credit for it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, Tampa Bay has to toss in a whole bunch of no-move clauses and stuff. And, like, yeah, like, I don't know. At the time, it's not like Pilat for 5.3 is a bad deal, but – when You just have so many of those, it's uh, um, you know, big enough, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, it adds up eventually, right?
0: But yeah, like, I don't know. I, I thought, like, this is a great deal for Tampa, don't get me wrong. Like, he is going to, he's worth, I think, uh, the net worth on one of the goals above replacement thing was like 8.7 or something like that, uh, per year right now, and that seems about right. Like, he's gonna outproduce his contract, but. The, the big thing for me was that this isn't a oh another how-does-Tampa-do-it deal. This was more of a, yeah, RFAs just get completely underpaid.
1: Yeah, good RFAs who don't play huge minutes generally, generally don't uh, sign humongous contracts. I will say, I'm not sure this deal was quite as much of a slam dunk as everybody thought either. I think it is kind of tough to evaluate Sergeyev and Tampa Bay. I saw somebody joke that he basically just plays on the Avengers and it's pretty hard to sort of discern what's him and what's the forwards and what's his partners and whatnot. Sure. But he's
0: also still going to be playing with those Avengers. And I mean, we've seen he's put up better numbers with those same guys than, you know, other people have at the same time. Right.
1: Like. so. Oh yeah. I don't think he's like, I do not think the adjustment would suggest that he's bad or anything. Just. Yeah. Cause some of his sort of. Uh, straight underlying numbers kind of pop off the page. And I don't think he's like that good.
0: No, like he's definitely not going to become like the idea that he is going to grow into like a Victor Hedman role or anything even close to that, I think is long gone now. Well, maybe not long gone, but gone enough. Like he's 22. I think he can still get better for sure. But like how much better? I don't know. But even if he, if this is what he is for the rest of his career, I'll pay 4.8 for that just about every year.
1: Oh, every day of the week. You'd take him for eight years at 4.8 if you can pencil him in for this.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good deal. Um, uh, I, it just wasn't uh, – I assume in, in terms of what he's put as an output of as, as a player and from an advanced stats uh, standpoint anyways, if you put his number into contracts with, you know, similar people, I just don't think that this would be all that different if you account for salary cap and everything, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. The McAvoy one's a good comparable where it's like good defensemen like that just sign cheap deals, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um,
0: yeah, that was the, the the biggest one, I think. And then uh, Jake DeBrusk signed a deal as well. Um, he is a two year deal, 3.675 AAV, so a 7.3 mil uh, total. Um, there was some talk that maybe he would get moved, and obviously, that still, you know, maybe he will over the course of this contract, but. Um, Good to see him saying in Boston. I, again I think this is good value. I don't think it's a I don't know, like I don't think it's a slam dunk of a contract, but I think it's pretty good. Like uh he, he posts solid numbers and it's very hard
1: to complain if that's what his uh numbers
0: looking like right now.
1: Yeah, like he's he's a second line wear in his own right, making three point six million dollars. I don't think there's really anything to complain about. I see every now and then you see hot takes that people are like really 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 high on Jake Debrust randomly sometimes like I don't think he's that good but he's pretty good
0: yeah like I think a lot of that is just kind of thinking of where he was drafted or whatever just the hype he had coming in and yeah maybe he hasn't quite hit that but he's he's definitely good and you know he's he's one of the things that are wild is his goals for per 60 on the power play and I don't think he even plays on the first power play if I, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he did play a lot of this year, but like, he's got like three standard deviations above over a multi-season of goals for per 60 on the power play, and that's for like his RAPM, and that's like the only spot he just truly accelerates at. Everywhere else, he's just between zero and one standard deviation, which is fine. It's just funny looking at a chart like that, just seeing one thing randomly skyrocketing.
1: And this is really weird because when you think of that like ridiculous Bruins power play unit, I'm not sure anyone on earth, even Jake DeBrusque's parents, would say Jake DeBrusque's name when they think of the Boston Bruins power play.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Like so, I, Maybe he has played a little bit on it and he's just a recipient because he's got a nice shot or whatever. But um, it's, it's definitely funny to look at. Um, and then our other piece of news, uh, Johnny Boychuk of the, uh, New York Islanders has retired, uh, due to an eye injury. Uh, he sustained, um, in early March, he came back for the playoffs and played games and then got a concussion and still played two games. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I guess he's decided that he doesn't want to play anymore or, you know, it's not safe or whatever. Um, so first of all, congrats on a, uh, a great career for Johnny Boychuk, obviously. Um, You know he's play he played. Let me check how many games he played. He was a you know a a lifer in the NHL. Uh, Yeah, hit a thousand, right? No, he was at seven twenty five. It took him a while to get in there. He played four years in the AHL before starting. So five five years, I guess technically. But he played seven hundred twenty five games, two hundred six points. Um, he had a a really good run there with uh, Boston. In he won a cup with Boston. And even his first couple of years, you know, first four or five years with the uh, Islanders, he was a pretty solid defenseman who's fallen off recently compared to his cap hit. But um, no, congrats on a great uh, career. It's, I don't know, I saw some people questioning about the, um, was this kind of like a Robida Island kind of thing? And maybe,
1: but... The fact that he played in the playoffs makes it a little uh, sketchy that it is a Robida Island thing, but he certainly had a long and hard career. It wouldn't be that unreasonable that he's just kind of done.
0: Yeah, That's I mean, I'm, exactly. Well, I'm like we've seen, like we've seen people come back from worst to drive. Like Clark MacArthur came back for the Ottawa Senators' 2017 playoff run after being told he should never play hockey again because of con- massive concussion issues. Magically was okay for four weeks and then never played hockey again because of concussion issues. So.
1: Yeah, that is true. Like, I, It's super I tough to know. You basically need medical knowledge that is not public.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's a bit of here, but a like, bit of both, you know, where it's like he was kind of thinking and with another pandemic season, yeah, he maybe goes, ah, who knows, like, do I really want to play? And the team approached him because um, this uh, conveniently does give them enough space to um, – or close, mm-hmm. uh, more space anyways to sign uh, one Matthew Barzell. Um, I think they're still, right now, they're at 3.9, so that obviously won't be enough. But um, I, I think that includes with Boychuck on IR. But if he just flat out, and I don't know, I haven't heard any update, but if he flat out retires, that six mil just goes straight off the cap.
1: Does it? Oh, because it was an uh, under-35 contract?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. When he signed, he was under 35. So I believe he just that would go straight off the cap. But he might just be on LTIR as well, but – um, either way, that at least helps them with the ability to sign um, Matthew Marzel, which is uh, the thing they really, really still need to do this off season. So um, I don't. know. We'll see where that goes. I don't. I don't have a ton more to say on it. Like I don't. I don't really need to get into the details about whether I think it was uh, legit or not because I mean I'm sure it was legit enough to you know be able to retire or step
1: back. Yeah, it's all speculation on our part. It's not like we know anything about Johnny Boychuk, so it's not really worth speculating about a guy's like personal health exactly
0: yeah especially like yeah i don't know um so other than that uh the biggest news is will we have a season and i think the answer will be yes we will it just depends on um what the owners and players are doing and i'm gonna be honest i tried to stay out of this a little bit uh i just hate getting talked or getting sucked into the stupid um lockout talks and stuff like that um because Both sides suck. The league really sucks. Uh, I hate listening to Gary Bettman act like the owners are so generous and stuff like that, but pretty much they negotiated a new CBA this past summer. And uh, now the owners want more money deferred, I believe is what they're asking for because uh, I guess their projections were off about what the things were going to be this year, but the players went, hold on, hold on. We already agreed to uh, something. Why would we give you more, which I think is fair. And um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Uh, the owners really can't lock out. It's like, um, From what I've read anyways, it would be illegal if the owners locked out because it's uh, that's against the CPA that they negotiated. So that would uh, lead to a whole other mess, I believe.
1: Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure once you sign something into a contract, it's pretty hard to just turn around and do the complete opposite.
0: Especially when it specifically says, if you do this, that means you're doing this, which is illegal by our contract, but...
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and, be- and part of it's wishful thinking too, because my God, do I not want another lockout season? Oh
0: God, no! I, I don't think, for what it's worth, like I just, I haven't bought into any of it, just because. They're going to end up playing. They're going to start on February 1st. It's going to be a 48-game shortened season that goes into July 1st or whatever. They'll be done before the Olympics, which is all they need to do, and then they'll have a bit of a shortened off season and probably start mid-October next year and be on a normal schedule, and in my opinion. I think that's just what it's leading up to. It's just how much changes. Do the players give anything back at all? Or, like, you know, does anything on their salaries change or not? Or do the owners bite the bullet? And Because I, I just – I really – can't see them play. I know some people said some of the owners believe it'd be more beneficial for them to not play this year, but you just, from a branding standpoint, I don't think you can do that.
1: Yeah. That would be a truly horrible look if they just said, fuck that we're not playing this year. Yeah. Like I, I, it's such a vote of no confidence in your league too to be like we're just not going to make any money so it, yeah, yeah
0: it would it would be a tough sell and just like especially with every the COVID and what's going on right now like uh i think it would be a very very to almost impossible sell to try and say oh yeah our money is what uh we're we're losing the most money here not uh you know in a pandemic where people are literally losing and fighting for their jobs but um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think it would be a horrible look optically, and especially because you look at, like, the NBA. Like, the NBA is ready to start in under a month. They're starting this month. Yeah, they're like starting
1: on Christmas, right?
0: Before Christmas. It's the week before Christmas, and then their big, like, day is Christmas Day. So they're I think they're starting the, the 20th, maybe, or the 15th, something like that. Like, they're literally starting within, like, two weeks.
1: Yeah, exactly. I kind of figured the NHL would lag just slightly behind the NBA. And for the record, I still think that's probably what will happen. But
0: Yeah, just a little more. But um, I, I don't even know what the – I should have looked up a little more how many games the NBA is trying to play. But I know I don't think they're doing a full season either for what it's worth. But, um, yeah, I don't know. With the NHL, I think it'll just kind of be one of those things where, you know, they still act like they're trying to start on January 1st. That's not happening. But I, I think somewhere between – I don't know – January 20th and February 1st is probably when you will see the hockey season start.
1: Yeah. Something along those lines would make sense.
0: So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep, you know. we'll keep talking about it if we have to, but hopefully they come to somewhat of an agreement that uh, we don't really have to worry about it. And we just kind of know, because that's the other thing too. It sucks not knowing when yeah. the season's actually going to start, you know, like NBA fa- fans get to look forward to two weeks from now or like, already starting to get to see what their schedule looks like. Whereas NHL fans are like, well, we're hoping to be playing in a month and a half, but uh, who really knows?
1: It's so sad. And then it's just such a pain in the ass to listen to conversations of won't somebody think of the millionaires versus won't somebody think of the billionaires? Like, it's just, there, there is a side that is right or like you should side with and you shouldn't, but it's still so hard to be sympathetic in these cases Oh yeah. Like
0: you can side with one side while at the same time saying both of them need to, you know, but the thing is both of them already came to a compromise. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I get why, where the players are coming from too. And Batman keeps going, this isn't a renegotiation, but they're literally like negotiating the, the terms, you know, like they're trying to renegotiate. So like, that literally is what this is, even if you're just trying
1: to name it something else. Yeah, you can argue about semantics or whatever, but, like, that's exactly what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see where it comes down. I really hope the players don't bend too much because um, everything that the league has done in the past when the players are um, the on the one who uh, needs something, it's been, you know, oh, we'll give you this, but we need to take some inch off somewhere else. You know, like, everything's had to be a debate, so... Hopefully the players don't just bend over and give the owners what they want just for a season. Yeah, I completely agree. So um, I do
1: not feel bad for the owners at all.
0: No, not even a little bit. You know, people are like, "Well, like think of the Dallas owner." It's like I don't really care. The dude's a billionaire. Like I, I really could not care less that his uh, restaurant industry also isn't doing great as or as good as it used to be in the United States. Like, miss me with that. I really don't care.
1: Yeah, exactly. There are people who have been unemployed for months because of this, that weren't rich to begin with.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, are actually following the rules and, you know, still, you know, trying to make a living however they can, but you know, it's tough. Uh, So I don't know. I uh, really will never feel bad for the owners. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Tough to feel bad for billionaires. Yep. For sure.
0: Um, All right, let's get to our list then. Uh, This might be a shorter episode, just seeing how quick that went. And, but I don't know. I got to, 10 names and three honorable mentions so we can break down uh, where we had everyone, why we had them, you know, just discuss uh, what we see maybe there for their, their future this season. Um, so pretty much this came around. Um, I, I saw Anthony Stewart post it online and I don't know his last, his list was a little questionable. I don't want to get too mad at it just because um, it's one of the few people I've actually seen like really put, respect on Nylander's name, but weirdly enough, it was almost too much respect on William Nylander's name.
1: Yeah, he was higher on William Nylander than I am. And Way I, higher on one of Jersey. And it's yeah. William Nielander jersey, which is yeah. not what you expect to see. Yeah,
0: you know like second in the the whole division or whatever. But we'll we'll get to where we have um him in ours. Um so pretty much yeah we looked at all seven Canadian teams and uh left wing, right wing, it doesn't matter. We put them all together on the same list and Uh, we list our top 10. So I have 13 here actually, because there was, um, to me, um, a clear 16 or 17 that could have been like when I did it, what I do is I write down all the names. So I wrote down about 17 names and then there was two that I could, Uh, got rid of right away. Two more that I got rid of pretty easily. And then there was three that are from 10 to honorable honorable mention three. I really felt like you could probably put them in any kind of order if you want to argue something or other. Um, So that's kind of what I did. So my honorable mentions off the start were Brady Kachuk, Patrick Line, and Tyler Toffoli. Um, So I'll start with Kachuk. I just don't think he's proved enough at this point. I think Maybe after this year, he could be a top 10 winger in the Canadian teams. But uh, just up to this point, he's had two really good years. He's over the past two years, I think his average 12 goals above replacement, which ranked him right around 11th to 15th for the, you know, both years or whatever. So uh, of the list I had, um, yeah, I don't know. He he was more of a case of just, I think, you know, I love him. He's He's a great player, but he's just kind of on the outside looking in at this moment
1: yeah i have him 10 it's pretty reasonable maybe i'm reading too much in like i'm too confident in him getting better because of how good his brother is that could be a mistake on my part but i think anywhere around 10 ish is perfectly reasonable for him if you want to say honorable mentions because the lack of sample size that's completely reasonable too
0: yeah i mean given his age i think it's um i would be almost shocked if he doesn't make the jump into the top 10 um this year but uh you know also i want to see a little more finishing ability and uh uh, you know it's from a goals above replacement there's uh, the ability to not take so many penalties as well you know i know just watching him that's kind of an issue sometimes where it's he'll he'll definitely sucker people in to come with him but he takes a lot of penalties or he takes enough penalties as it is as well so
1: yeah and he could turn into like a true penalty differential god if he could just stay out of the box a little bit yeah exactly
0: um so yeah my other honorable mention patrick liney if if someone had them in our top 10, I don't think I would be that upset. I just – there were so many other names that – is such a wild card for me where, you know, he had the huge goal-scoring season in his rookie year. Uh, two years ago, over 82 games, he just – he was okay, but not that great. He had 2.6 goals above replacement. And then last year, he didn't – he wasn't uh, – he, he worked on his defensive game a little bit, but, you know, his offense was still good. He just got more unlucky in terms of when it came to shooting the puck. So he could honestly be anywhere from, like, six to 12 again next year when we do this like i I really don't know
1: yeah he's tough because like at age like 21 or 22 he scored at like a 35 goal pace and this was like a massive disappointment for him so the talent's clearly there it would just be nice to see him actually put it all together once
0: yeah i mean like this guy could really eat like he's been pretty much um, not a disappointment but people are a little a little more disappointed with what he's become in his four-year career and he has scored 36 44 30 and 28 goals and the 28 goals came in 68 games um so you know that's a pace for just over 30 as well uh i think it would be let me check real quick it would be uh 34 goal pace pretty much so like and th- and that's still like considered quote unquote somewhat disappointing you know so there's easily a scenario where he just bangs home 50 and you have to have him quite easily in your top 10 but like at the same time I I don't know what to think either um you know because he hasn't quite gotten there but he's clearly got loads of talent he just needs to put it all together now
1: yeah he's tough and it's also going to be interesting to see where he lands I think a lot will depend on where his shooting percentage lands because in the first two years of his career he shot like 18-ish percent and everybody was ready to pencil him in, essentially, as the best shooter of all time. And he has since come really, really far back down to earth at, like, 12%, which is good, but not, like, just slam-dunk, that'll get you into the Hall of Fame by itself sort of number. So if, if he really is as good of a shooter as he looked like early on, then, like, maybe, maybe he is, like, four on this list, or two, or one, even sooner rather than later, but if he's more of a 12% shooter, then he could probably stay off it unless he becomes a much better play driver than he has been.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that, That's pretty much what it all comes down to. Um, uh, and then my other name I had uh, for the honorable mention is Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I want to put him on, but this is me maybe kind of reading into what he'll be next year. I really like the contract. I, th- I really like Tyler Toffoli. I think he's a good player. But he also had a career year at age uh, 28, 29, however old he is. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, like he, um, his past four years and goals above replacement 3.1, 0.4, 7.9, 9.7. So he's been really strong the past two years, but I just, part of me kind of thinks that he might take a little bit of a step back next year. Um, even if the numbers don't show it, but uh, I don't know, that's just me personally. And he's still really good. And the like key, I have an 11th on my list. It's not like that's, uh, it's not like he's bad by any means. I think he's right there. It's just a career year at age 28 worries me a little bit just in terms of what he might be this coming year.
1: Yeah, especially since this whole thing is like, he's been a play driver, but has struggled to turn expected goals into actual goals when he's on the ice, and now he's going to the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's, that's kind of just him, but a team, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't have him on my list either. I didn't even have him as an honorable mention, but like, I, he is a good player. I think it's perfectly reasonable to have him around there. Yeah.
0: So, um, there's my honorable mentions. Uh, one is your 10. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to go
1: through? Uh, do you have Kyle Connor on your list?
0: I do not. He was one of the Tim and Blake Wheeler, are the two that I had 14, 15 on my, uh, my list.
1: Yeah. I didn't have him either. I, I don't even really have him as an honorable mention, but I think he would be worth talking about just because a lot of people are super high on Kyle Connor for some, actually, I know the reason. The reason is because he scores a lot of points. Yeah. Um, I think, so
0: I, I mean, this is kind of defines the Winnipeg Jets in general, because there's one guy I do have on my top 10. We'll get to him later, but there's three wingers on the Winnipeg Jets and two, especially where I just feel are super, just super overrated. not even super overrated, but they saw what they were in that 2018 cup or, or yeah, playoff run when they went to the third round, and lost to Vegas. And you just haven't fixed your thoughts from that anymore. Like, Pretty much, I said. So uh, I heard. I I think it was Jamie McLennan was talking on TSN the other day, and he goes, "When the Winnipeg Jets are what Toronto is just out west, they're the exact same team." I was like, "If that's your take, you looked at what the Winnipeg Jets were in 2018, and have not bothered to check in how the player development has gone since then, because that's pretty much what it is, right?" Like, yeah, and that's why, like, I feel like people love Kyle Connor because you know, he was the new guy to you know kind of break out, and he does score a lot of points. He's put up 66 and 73 points in the past two years. And maybe it's a system, but like, he gives a lot of that back. Like he is atrocious defensively.
1: Yeah. Like you, the Winnipeg Jets have been getting filled in at five on five for some time now. And you have to assume the lot, the fact that Kyle Connor and Patrick line these guys can't drive play is a big part of that. Right.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, I'm not a huge Paul Maurice fan either. So maybe you change the coach up and, and things look a little bit better, but I, I definitely think they got to be part of um, not even the issue necessarily. Like it's just part of what, you know, you need to have, right? Like, cause the same yeah. thing with it's the same thing with Blake Wheeler, where it's like people are still on the Blake Wheeler is what he was from 26 to 31 year old Blake Wheeler, not 34 year old Blake Wheeler, whatever, whatever he is now. Right. Like,
1: Yeah, because there was a time where there was a legitimate argument Blake Wheeler was, like, a top 15 to 20 player in the league. But that time is long gone. Yeah, it was,
0: like, 2016, 2015-ish. Like, because for years he was the most underrated player, like, one of the most underrated players in the league. And then the the playoff run finally happened, and he just became overrated. And, like, he's still a fine player, but I just – I don't even – I didn't – I had him probably 15th or 16th on my list, you know? And, like – Kyle Connor this year, by a goals above replacement standpoint, put up zero goals above replacement because he gave it all back defensively. And now, like, if you want to argue that, you know, defensive impacts are a little a little noisy or whatever, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's just a replacement-level player or anything like that. But the point is that, and I think the eye test would show this too, where it's like he's just – he can't drive play. And he's not good enough in his own end where it's like it doesn't matter sometimes how many points he put up if you're given that much backup in your own end, it's going to hurt you no matter what.
1: Yeah, exactly. And when a lot of your points come on the power play, this is a concept that a lot of people seem to struggle with, but because goals happen so much more uh, quickly on the power play points on the power play are worth less because it's far easier to replace.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't know. I, I I didn't have him, and that, it is a good thing to talk about him. And kind of Blake Wheeler, the same point. Those those are probably the two that I see most commonly that I go, no, these guys should not be on a top ten wingers list or like. Because the thing is, like the NHL Network will have these two guys on like a top ten or fifteen wingers list of the entire league, let
1: alone seven teams. Yeah, which is especially nuts because they yeah, have the Kudrovs of the world. They have to compete against.
0: Yeah, exactly. And even like the Patrick Kane's and Alex Ovechkin's, where it's like. This is literally what they are, but also to a more extreme degree, you know?
1: Yeah, like Patrick Kane's just Kyle Connor, but better, essentially.
0: Yeah, so um, <laughs> Kyle Connor, but better. I, I dare you to tell uh, Chicago Blackhawks fans that about Patrick Kane and see what they say. But, <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into the actual top 10 then. So you had uh, Kachuk as your 10th. Um, my 10th is another Ottawa sender, but his name is Evgeny Dadanov.
1: Um, oh, you have Dadanov 10? That's a spicy one.
0: Yeah, I think um, this is one where I think after this year, I could see him not being 10th. Um, Like, I could see him falling off a little bit here if we did this list for Canadian teams again next year. Um, But, I mean, he's been really, really good the past three years. Uh, Three years ago, he had 19 goals above replacement. Two years ago, 11.9. Three years ago, or last year, 5.1. So he's been decreasing, which is not what you want to see for a guy who's 30-something. So, I mean, it's, it's natural to see. It's just you don't want it. Um, but still, over the past three years of the wingers that for, for the Canadian division here, um, I think he ranked over in a three year span with that good year three years ago. he was like top seven for goals of a replacement. You take that out, he was still i think tenth or
1: eleventh um, he 's third in the three year span
0: yeah, so yeah exactly like he 's just like he 's really really good if you three year span now I think granted with a thirty year old you can 't just look at the third year so you know, it's been decreasing since, but I still figure he he could be on 10 because I do want to see what he does. Um, that being said, it wouldn't shock me if, like, him and Kachuk even traded places on this list next year. Or, I mean, even right now, I think you could trade them and I wouldn't be that disappointed. It'd just be more looking ahead. Whereas this one is more just kind of looking at what he's done the past three years.
1: Yeah, I essentially have them flip just buying into the trend lines, which yeah, can which, be a bad. Idea, right?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, again, totally fair, too. Like, I think that's a. That's kind of what I expect to happen this year. Uh, well, not maybe, but like I, you know, like it's uh, it's something that very very well could happen.
1: Yeah, it'll be cool to see Dadenah playing because he's going to go in terms of the context. This is going to be a hell of a culture shock for him.
0: Oh yeah, it's gonna he's going to go from two of the best um, players in the league in terms of Barkov and Huberdeau to uh, an Ottawa Senators team where I think he'll get to play with a guy like Brady Kachuk and. You know, like, I don't, they're not going to just not have talent around him, but the talent difference is going to be uh, very, very different. That is for sure.
1: Yeah, like, what's it going to be? Probably him, Brady Kachuk, and Colin, Colin White or White. something like yeah, that for like, to the like, top line. Or, like, even, like,
0: uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Chris Tierney, maybe, to
1: start the year or something <laughs> like that. Like, it, And, like, not- we've been on the record talking about Barkov being overrated, but uh, but relative to Colin White and Chris Tierney, that's yeah. a still a drop-off.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, um, uh, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I don't know. I, I definitely could have him flipped, I just think, because of, you know, I what I tried to do for these lists was I looked at three years and two years and tried to tried to balance them together and see, you know, also account for just one really good year or whatever and also just try to project given given ages and stuff. And I, I definitely think Dadunov could slip off the top ten um, or, like, he doesn't need to be here right now, but I think this is one of the only years I'll – be able to have him on the top 10 anyways. So
1: I figured I'd put him there. Yeah, that's fair. And NED does have the statistical resume over the past couple years to justify that. Yep. Um, so who do you have at nine? At nine, I had a guy I did not expect to have on my list when I started making this, but JT Miller.
0: I have him a little higher,
1: actually. Um, so,
0: I mean, I have him all the way up at six, actually. I'll, I'll just say it right now. Um, but yeah, yeah I... I didn't, I didn't expect it either. And then I looked into it. and I was like, there's no way Miller cannot be top 10, let alone like I debated putting him in my top five, but I slid him down a little bit just because of, you know, trend lines, what we talked about.
1: Yeah. And he's another tough one, sort of similar to the where he's been good, but not like, like he, this was his career year. Right. And he's younger than to I believe when he had his career year. Yeah. He's yeah, 26. He's, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, he shot 16% this year. That's That does not seem even remotely sustainable to me.
0: No, like not at all. But, I mean, at the same time, like, this being his career year, he actually produced more goals above replacement in Tampa in 18-19 than he did this year by uh, two. So, like, even if he doesn't shoot that same percentage, like, you know, there might be a slight drop-off, but I, I don't think it's going to be that drastic in terms of, you know, if he can help produce with, you know, a guy like Elias Pettersson.
1: Yeah, like he's still a legit first-line player, and it's not like in spite of the fact that he had to go from Tampa Bay to Vancouver, he's going to be playing without talent either. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like it's kind of hard to determine how much is him and how much is his teammates because he's never not been in a – like he's never been in a bad position, you know? Like in Tampa, he's loaded with whoever you play with in Tampa, and then he went to – vancouver and played with petterson all year but like he helped petterson not as much as petterson helped him probably but he still helped petterson be who petterson was this year which there's something to be said about that too you know
1: yeah exactly like it's not all him but like having competent teammates goes a really long way to helping stars produce right yeah exactly so um
0: yeah i had him up all the way up at six just i, I think you again like in, with the trend line you could probably bump him down i had him to me there was a um I thought there was an easy enough one. And then I thought two to five were kind of wherever six to nine ish are kind of wherever. And then 10 to like 15, I could make an ar- hear an argument for here or there. So that's kind of how my list stuck out.
1: Yeah. I, I see a lot of really distinct tiers. I think Brady to Chuck, I have in the same tier as all the honorable mentions. And then like you, there's sort of like a nine to the next few guys are all sort of interchangeable to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So I had at nine uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who we had to discuss if we were even going to put him on the wingers category, but we decided he was more a winger than a center this year, so we put him on. Um, I don't know. This one, you know, he's put up strong numbers. Uh, It's tough to kind of separate him and, you know, when he plays with Dreisaitl or McDavid or something like that. But that being said, he's – Put up relatively – he had a really, really good year this year, and he's just been good the past couple years as well too, right? Like he's the third best forward on that team by a mile. Either yeah, way.
1: I, I had a mate. I'm really not – like I think Nudes would be one of the most forgettable players on earth if he wasn't drafted first overall. <laughs> like, yes. He's, yeah, yeah. But he's just kind of like quietly fine. I think he's a first-line winger, whatever. That's all right. But yeah, I, I, I know.
0: I know. It's, it's funny because it's like, oh, that's all right. Like he literally just is like uh He's not. It's not even that like he's non impactful. It's just one of those guys where it's like, oh yeah, he's on your first line. He'll help you. He's not gonna drive yeah. the line, but you know, to be good, you know, like
1: yeah, I like there's just nothing special about. It. He just he's just he's just there. Like I said, if he wasn't a first overall pick, he would not be a household name.
0: No, not at all.
1: Just, but yeah, especially first overall pick to
0: Edmonton. Like he would, people would be like, "I, I don't really know who that guy is," you know. Yeah, he'd be like the dad knobs of the world, really. Literally, yeah, he's fine. If, yeah, if he was in Florida, he would be like, "Oh, okay, I guess this
1: guy's pretty good." Yeah, he's fine. He'd probably be considered like quote unquote underrated if he played in Florida, because all decent players in Florida are. But yeah, it's yeah,
0: it's underrated or just under. Um, uh what's it called when you, you know, there's lack of media there just because it's florida like, like which under- is funny hard. yeah undercover thank you it, which is funny because like it's florida it's like oh i'd love to live in florida but at the same time just it's not a hockey market you know so um okay so
1: want to hear something weird yeah <laughs> so i'm doing my like summative project for my major on hockey and my, I was talking in the presentation about how the places like Florida are considered really desirable places to live. I've never really been to Florida, but that's just what all the media people say about Florida and Tampa Bay and stuff. And my prof was like pushed back on me in that talking about how he was pretty sure Florida would be a horrific place to live. Does that make any sense to you?
0: Um, it depends what you like. I mean, every player I've heard in Florida loves the Florida weather because when you look at like, even right now, the Raptors are down in Tampa Bay and they were bragging about like, Oh yeah, we're pretty sure there's like four or uh, two feet of snow in Toronto right now. But we just looked out at 10 in the morning and it's uh, nice and sunny. I I know there's like one month a year. It's just hurricane weather all the time in Florida. And maybe that would suck. But like, I don't know. I I think Florida would be a very, very nice place to live.
1: Yeah. I was really confused by that. I was like, who thinks being a millionaire on the beach wouldn't be fun like yeah awesome. well
0: it's just like it's why all the snowbirds go down there too you know like literally
1: like people from Kansas migrate down there for the winter when they're retired yeah exactly like i don't know i that can it confused the hell out of me i thought there was a reason everybody talked about it this is a great place to live oh yeah and like um yeah and I, I
0: know the rink like if we're talking from a hockey perspective the rink is a little out of the way in florida which kind of sucks but it's not downtown uh miami but uh, still, like, just in terms of living there, like, I, I think it would be very, very awesome. I mean, maybe, probably not at this moment, I would rather not be in Florida, but, um, I mean, generally speaking, when there's not a pandemic
1: going on, it would be it would be good. Yes, right now, I can see the argument why being there would suck, but in general, <laughs> that was just, it was one of the most confusing comments in the world to me, and I've still not gotten over it. Yeah. Um, okay, so my number eight, then, if yours was R&H, um,
0: this feels low for him, but I just, I couldn't, Maybe you could bump him up if you put JT Miller down two spots here. I have William Elander at eight.
1: Yeah, I have him six. Okay. I think yeah. this is his range.
0: Yeah, like it feels a little low, but just I don't know, like the top five I don't think he's quite with. Um he's is he right in this range where it's like it's it's really good players who and honestly, like if he I I know League fans probably wouldn't want to hear this, but if he becomes a JT Miller type, I don't think there's really all that much wrong with uh that for Nylander you know like maybe I think he'll put up a little more points than Miller but like Miller at 72 points this year if he throws up 65 to 75 a year and can just be an okay two-way player like I, I think you would accept that every day of the year for what Nylander's contract brings
1: yeah um Miller's 72 points this year like if Nylander tops out with JT Miller sort of that would be like an 85 point season I don't think anybody would complain about that.
0: No, I don't know how you can complain about that. For, like, not even $7 million? Like, I mean, that's great value. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I mean, we're not – obviously, we're not including contracts in here anyways. But, I don't know, yeah, to me, that's kind of what uh, Nielander is in terms of, like, this year he had 59 points in 68 games. So, he was going to hit 60 points, um, pretty much, you know, guaranteed. Um, That over an 82-game pace is – 71 points, which again, like a 70, 65 to 80 ish point player, I think is great. uh, Very good. Uh, You know, a first line player, he doesn't necessarily drive all the play, but he definitely is a, he he helps drive through the uh, zones and can help break it in. Um, You know, he's not an Austin Matthews type or anything, but you don't need him to be, you know, this is kind of where he fits. He's a, a number, you know, he's a top 30 winger and eighth in Canada is what I have him as.
1: Yep. I'm six transition. God, if his uh, individual shooting results stay as high as they were this year, that's going to be huge for him going forward. Cause he's always kind of looked like he's had that shot, but he's actually had trouble converting shots into goals at a high rate until this year. But if he, if this weapon in his game is here to stay, that's huge for him.
0: Yeah. That would boost his uh, potential up quite a bit and just, or where he is as a player up quite a bit. And I mean, he, uh, you know, he's had a fun fun shooting percentage. Uh, first year at a 14% over 22 games, then 10, 10, and then in that miserable contract year, 5.4, and then last year at 15.7. So I think it's fair to say he's probably near like 11.5 maybe as a shooter. So, you know, like average, uh, slightly above average maybe. Um, but if he can get up to the 14% more more often, I think that would be uh, very beneficial for his game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because he's obviously – an amazing passer. So if he could add that dual threat along with his transition skills, then you could see him maybe being in like the top five on these lists or whatever, but I'm not a hundred percent confident that 30 goals a season is his true talent. So I have him a little lower right now.
0: Yep. I, uh, I agree with that. Um, um, and then right above him in my list, I had uh, someone who I do con- consider, consider um, Nylander, but at West and that's Nikolai Ehlers. I think these two are, almost identical types of players, really. Like, uh, over the past three years, they've had 30.5 and 29.9 calls above replacement um, between the two of them. Uh, You know, they play a similar-ish style of game or, you know, put up similar-ish style of points. And a lot of what you can say about uh, Nylander, I feel like you can say about Ehlers.
1: Yep, Nikolai Ehlers does it a little more through just, like, pure speed. But other than that, they are incredibly similar players drafted, like, right beside each other. The comparisons kind of write themselves.
0: Yep, Ehlers shoots 11.9%. That's just kind of in his career average. He hovers between 12 and 13. He's closer to 12, I would say. His first year, he just shot 9%. But the other four, he shot above 12. But it's kind of the same idea. Where it's just like he's not a bad shooter by any means. Um, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of speed. He's a great passer as well. So, um, he always put up 25 plus assists probably for you. You know, and even can top out near 40 some years. So. Um, they're very, very similar players. I'm assuming you probably had them right near each other as well. I had Ehlers one spot above Nylander. So, as yeah. Well. Yeah. So, I had I had uh, Ehlers at seven, Nylander at eight. So, I've had done my six through ten. So, who's your seventh?
1: Uh, Brock Besser.
0: Okay. I have him up a lot here, actually. I have him third.
1: Interesting. Oh, yeah. wow. So, actually.
0: Yep. So, we can get to – I mean, you give me your case why he's down a little bit, and I'll give you my case why I think he's definitely got to be top five.
1: So, obviously, he's really good. He's got that fantastic shot. Um, I don't think he's exactly a gaudy play driver, although maybe he is a good enough of a shooter to make up for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he is. That's kind of like – I think he, well, his shot is just unreal, but I think that he is – he's obviously not um, going to be the guy who just drives all the play by himself. Like, he's not going you can't put just two scrubs on his line and expect him to do everything. But at the same time, I think he definitely chips in quite enough that he um, has to be there. And maybe he's one of those where it's kind of hard to see, like, if he plays a bunch of his uh, minutes with Pedersen or even Horvat, it's, like, maybe a little harder to separate them. But when he's uh, on the ice, Vancouver this year let up almost nothing uh, uh, defensively. Like, they were minus 8, plus 14 without him on the ice defensively. And, again, that's not all him. Um, But, you know, his impact looks really good. And then in the offensive end, not amazing, but you know, his, his red, uh, there's a lot of red dot right for when he likes to rip pucks from. And guess what? He's really good at shooting scoring from there. So um, for me, I think just, I I had him top three. And I think maybe you could bump him down to five because again, like for me, two to 5 were all pretty tough to, uh, to decide here, but he, he plays offense very well. And I think this year his defensive game took a really big step up. So that'll be, if he can keep that up, I think he'll definitely be a top, top winger in the league
1: yeah because he's got kind of a sketchy defensive pass so sort of the same way with Nylander like if Besser actually has good defensive results going forward then he's like this fantastic complete player right
0: yeah and like his defensive progression has been linear which I mean doesn't even need to keep but if he just like stays slightly above average defensively and just keeps chipping in how he does offensively like that's an extremely extremely valuable player
1: yeah exactly because he's one of those guys where it's like the shots can be 20, 20, but that's a win for him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he's going to score on more of the shots there. Even if you keep them somewhat to the outside, he just got such a wicked shot that he can put it in from just about anywhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a huge weapon to have with a guy like Pedersen, who's also pretty much just fantastic at everything.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a great fit and, you know, maybe it's, uh, I'm buying a little bunch too into, you know, the, the Pedersen effect or whatever, but, uh, honestly, like I, I think he is just one of the, you know he's a really really good winger, and I could see him being you know may, I could drop him down a couple spots, but I think he's definitely top five in my opinion for the Canadian uh, teams. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. Who did you have at six? At six was Nylander. Five, okay, Heeler. five Eilers. So we have my three, and then six through ten. Um, so my five was Brendan Gallagher.
1: Yeah, I have him four.
0: Yeah. So again, like, uh, he's another one where I kind of made putting up, but I think just with how old he is and the guys, all the guys above him on my list are younger, um, some by a a decent amount and some by just one or two years. But, um, I, I really like Brendan Gallagher. I think he is, um, he's been forever one of the most underrated players. Um, he was criminally underpaid for years. Um, and we talked about his new contract a couple times. Um, but you know, he just, he provides a lot of goals above replacement, um, some of that doesn't always translate just because of guys like his caliber where you were playing in front of the net that straw or that, that much, you're going to get a bunch of chances that read high danger, obviously. But if you're just smacking at a rebound with a goalie's pad, it might not actually be as high danger as um, the stat sheet says. But that being said, he still just provides a ton of value for his team.
1: Yeah, he's just a fantastic play driver. Like he, When he's on the ice, your team just tends to have the puck in. And- those shots are bound to go in eventually, even though he hasn't finished at an incredibly high rate.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive that like, um, <laughs> I'm just looking at his uh, with and without charts from uh, hockey Viz here. And it's pretty impressive to be <laughs> with him on the ice offensively this year for 825 minutes. Do you know what Montreal's threat was with,
1: with him on the ice, with him on the ice. I'm going to say, like, 20% above league average.
0: Plus 39%. Jesus. It is all red. There is literally two blue spots. One is almost beside the net, and the other one is by the blue line. It is all red. Like, this is one of the most insane charts I've ever seen. And, again, like, this overstates it a little bit because there's a massive red thing right in front of the net where he's just banging home rebounds. But he's plus 39%, minus 10 with him defensively, too. So they're really good defensively. Without him, they're plus one offensively, minus seven. So there's a 38% difference with him on versus off the ice offensively and a 3% difference in a good way defensively.
1: Yeah, he's just—he's the course he got, essentially. Like, he's just so good at getting pucks towards the other team's net. It's not yeah. even funny. Like, yeah, he's, he's just so, so good at that. Literally.
0: So, um, yeah, that's why I have him five. He gets bumped down just a little bit because the scoring effects don't actually go his way quite as often, but uh, amazing player.
1: Yeah, he is a, a little bit more of an expected goals guy than an actual goals guy. But, like, if you're getting like 60% of the shots, it's pretty hard for shooting talent to overcome that on the other side. So, Brennan Gallagher still comes out as a huge net positive. Exactly. Um, so, we got your
0: four through 10, then, right? Okay, yeah, so my fourth, we, I'm thinking, is either going to be second or third, maybe first for you, Matthew Kuchuk.
1: That's three for me.
0: Yeah, okay, My he's four for me, so then we have the top two. It'll just be, the, depending on what order. I think they probably will be the same order, but, um, yeah, Matthew Kachuk is very, very, very good. Uh, he is a pest on the ice. I think he still has room to get better. It's the most incredible thing. Like, he's already the third best winger on a Canadian team, and I would say he's probably, what, top – I think he's got to be close to top 10 on any list if you're including all
1: teams, definitely top 15. Oh yeah. He's right up there in like league wide. He's basically just like, what if Brendan Gallagher drew nine times the penalties? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like it's incredible how much he can uh, take without even, or draw without taking. Um, it's yeah. And he still hard. takes a
1: ton, but he's such a freak at drawing them that it makes up for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, it's uh he just i don't like i just there's no he just kind of runs his own line too like he doesn't drive play extremely extremely well but considering his teammates he really does at times like he was stapled to milan lucic for a lot of the playoffs this year and he's still just like that was one of the best looking lines that the flames had it was like wow how is this happening
1: yeah exactly like he's just a fantastic player
0: yeah, and he's a rat on the ice. It's, holy. it's one of the guys where it's like if you're, playing against, yeah, if you're playing against him, you hate watching it. If you're watching as a neutral spectator, it's fun to watch. And if he's on your team, you just absolutely freaking adore him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And for a kind of like a net front and crash, but high-skilled guy, he, he converts his shots at a much higher rate than most players of his archetype.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. He's got a lot of high-end talent mixed with like just like the grit and – just fierceness that you don't want to play
1: against, you know? Yeah. And if your team has even a competent power play, it makes him such a bigger weapon because with him on your team, you're going to be on the power play all the time. Exactly.
0: Um, And then number two, um, I had an, I had his teammate, Johnny Goudreau at number two.
1: Oh, so we had one and two flipped. Oh yeah. I I had Johnny hockey one. And
0: then Mitch Marner was my number one. We'll, we'll start with, uh, um, Goudreau first. Um, for me, the reason he was, uh, two this year and maybe not one where he might have been in past years is he had a bit of a down year in terms of uh, goals above replacement this year, at least. And just in general too, you know, like he, um, he, he
1: had a bad year this year. Yeah.
0: yeah like he just, he, uh, he struggled this year. Um, you know, I, I still, I uh, obviously, I mean, seeing where his, uh, he is on my list, I still have a ton of faith that he'll bounce back and be, you know, the really, really, really good player we've seen for what, five, six years now of him. Um, but just, If we're looking for age, you know, he's 27. I don't think this is it for him by any means, but for between him and Marner, I went with Marner just because of age, and I think, you know, Marner had a better season last year already. Uh, Yeah, like Goodrow had 58 points in 70 games this year. Huge dip from his 99-84 the previous two years. So I definitely think he'll get back to like a – well, I mean, I I guess uh, it's a 48-game season, right? So around there probably. So, But I think he'll get back to like a – what that's eighty-five-ish point pace this year? Like that wouldn't shock
1: me at all. Yeah, that would make make perfect sense for him.
0: Yeah. And so I don't know. Like you you can give your defense of why you had him over Monitor. I mine like I loved it. Johnny Goudreau is more just the reason I am at two and thought about sliding him maybe even one or two more spots down. Just he had a really rough year this year. But I do think that it's uh very fair that he will bounce back if you know next year.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just a little lower on like I, on Marner's this year than I should be because Johnny Gaudreau wasn't particularly good either when talking about a comparison between the two. But basically, I think so far, peak Johnny Gaudreau has been better than peak Marner. And we've seen peak Johnny Gaudreau a lot, whereas we've seen peak Marner essentially once which is really unfair of me to say about a guy who's 22, because, of course, he hasn't been this amazing track record, but I just like the certainty with Johnny Gaudreau.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like Mitch Marner had an uh, just unreal season this year either. You know, and, um, from what I'm saying, like, if you know, goals above replacement, he only had 7.8, which, you know, it doubles what Gaudreau had, or just over doubles, but like, he had 67 points in 59 games. That's obviously not bad by any means. It's just... Yeah, like you wanna see the ninety four point pace he had last year. Like even in twenty seventeen, eighteen, he had a sixty nine sixty nine points in eighty two games, but he was legitimately like good defensively to the point where he added value in the eighteen point six or sorry, not legitimately good defensively, but he wasn't um he wasn't bad defensively, you know. So like his past two years have been better than this recent, most recent one was. But I think at 22, just the age difference between the two is kind of why I leaned Marner over Goudreau in this situation.
1: Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like forecasting for like this upcoming year, I think Marner would be the definite number one.
0: Yeah, so and that's why and like it's not like it's by that aggressive of a gap either. Like, you know, it's not like when you're making a center list, it goes McDavid and then everyone else. You don't even have to think about it like I had to put a little bit of thought into it I just went okay I think I can comfortably put Marner one but it's not like between two and five there's that giant of a gap with Marner either like I think you know he's slightly better and just his age helps him out a lot with a lot of these guys but you know you can make a case that a lot of them had or you know some of the guys on this list had better years than he did last year and you know should be right with him on a list so I think that's fair
1: yeah they could be right there I will say I think Marner almost gets like underrated on nerd Twitter because of how much people just hate his contract, but like, he's still just so good. Similar to what we said about line eight, like he scored at like a 90 point pace this year and all people could do was complain. Oh yeah.
0: And like, which is a huge
1: compliment to the player, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And definitely the contract doesn't help him. And just the way the contract went down, too, about how he whined and cried about trying to get every little dollar or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, he definitely got overpaid for an RFA deal, and we don't need to go down that road. But, yeah, like, to, to say anyone shouldn't want Mitch Marner on their team is still pretty insane, considering this is the worst season we've seen him have. And it was still just, like, amazing, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like He's just supremely talented. He's one of the best passers in the league. I expect his on-ice shooting to percentage to be far higher than average throughout his career because of his just how good he is at getting his teammates those really, really high-quality shots because of his passing. Like, exactly. He's just, he's just
0: yep. passing. Oh, yeah, and well, just watching him. It's just a human highlight reel, and, and that's kind of where it was like – it's funny that it kind of goes the other way with the contract now, but that's where the – people always thought the gap between him and Nylander was so big was because Marner would just have more highlight real plays than Nylander. And, you know, I, I think that um, Marner is better than Nylander, which is why with the Anthony Stewart list, I don't, I don't want to rip on it because, you know, Nylander's finally getting some respect, but it's like, okay, that still seems a little high to me, but at the same like if you're excluding contracts, you take Marner every time. If you're including contracts, I think you take Nylander every time, but that's just kind of the difference is like, I think Marner is better, but he also, people loved him more because he had just the highlight real play once every couple weeks where Nylander will go in and make an awesome um, break in and get a primary assist, but it just, it won't
1: look as good. Right. It controlled zone entries aren't as sexy as spin around across ice passes. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's,
0: that's our list. Uh, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I don't know if you do. Um,
1: I don't think so. We're in the August months of, literally talk, yeah. Essentially, right now
0: i'm just happy we saw i think we're probably gonna have to do defenseman and center maybe next week as a combined kind of list but we'll, we'll have to see um uh still i think we got i don't know what we're at now probably 50 minutes of content or so which is pretty good so definitely a shorter episode this week but that's all right considering we had a uh, a much longer one last week with an hour 40 i really hope everyone enjoyed that too because i i personally had a lot of fun putting that together
1: yeah i enjoy these lists even though Lists aren't necessarily the best. Usually the true thing is to tier, but lists are fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. One, I mean, yeah, with, with us, I think anyone listens to us know that most of our lists come with tiers. I mean, you know, even today I kind of tiered my list and then just, you know, rank them within the tiers. and But say, you know, honestly, like if you want to argue, this dude should be fifth and not
1: eighth or whatever, like go ahead, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I have Nylander a little higher because you believe – in X, Y, and Z, because you watch him more than other guys or whatever, right? Because when the error margins are that small, it's a lot easier to make judgment calls like that. Oh, for sure.
0: Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, as always, you can find both of our work at lastwordonhockey.com. Um, I don't know if Chase has anything else. I might get a piece out this week. I, I got exams starting, so I'm going to be pretty busy this week. I might not have anything, but I did post something on our new site, lastwordongaming.com. Um, I broke down the nuke down twenty four seven map on uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, um, so that was fun. Uh, go give that a read if you uh, need a couple minutes to kill. Um, you can also find my work at uh, Mile High Hockey. I should have something out coming out this weekend um, there or early next week. Um, you can find Chase on Twitter at CM Hockey sixty six. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. This podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.